From Oakland, California, I'm Franklin, and you're listening to the Rock Science Show. That's right, it's a weekly look at the world of science, technology, and the way it affects our daily lives. Coming up on today's show, the Nobel Prizes and the Man on the Street on the Science of Oakland. So stay right here for the Rock Science Show. Back to the program. You're listening to the Rock Science Show, and I'm Frank Ling. Um, joining us today is our very special guest, the man on the street, Vikram Kulkarni. Um, Mr. Kulkarni, thank you so much for joining us here today. I'm very pleased to be on the Grok Show. Well, I, I think we all are, and it's, uh, it's a very, very special uh, week, of course, you know. Yes, it's the Nobel Prize week, and you know, in Oakland, it has a special resonance. We live very close to Berkeley. Yeah, just a couple miles down the up the street. That's right. And actually, we're very fortunate to announce that a professor from UC Berkeley has won this year's prize in physiology or medicine. Uh, professor Randy Sheckman from the Molecular and Cell Biology Department, and he was awarded for work carried out. Uh, with his colleagues James Rothman and Thomas Sudoff for elucidating the mechanism by which cells transport proteins and hormones. This is very incredible. Berkeley has 22 Nobel laureates. Uh, this was big news to me. I'm, I'm clearly not so connected to academia, so I don't know about these things. But a lot of you will be happy to know that now he has a lifetime parking membership <laughs> at UC Berkeley. Yes, that's right. The uh, the famed lifetime parking spot for all the uh, normal laureates there. Wow. So, you know, I, I guess the um, to illustrate how important this discovery is, they can use it to manipulate, say, cells, for example, yeast cells, to produce necessary proteins, drugs, and other uh, compounds. So, for example, like they've been able to produce um, insulin by coaxing, coaxing these cells to by coaxing these cells. So, Frank, I don't know much about biology in general, but uh, has this uh, somehow led to great better behaviors? Uh, for diabetic patients, uh, do you know? Uh, uh, these not are? behaviors per se, but it's led to the supply of insulin that we can use to treat diabetic patients. So, uh, I mean, this is a real uh, breakthrough in terms of possibly saving lives for so, diabetics. So there's like a synthetic insulin that you can produce without resorting to anim animal, uh, right. uh, animal source. Right. And well, of course, uh, this is just the beginning of the week and uh, we still have to look forward to the physics, chemistry prizes, and of course, um, there's also peace and literature, just as important. That's right. Uh, Obama has already gotten his share, so hopefully this year it will be, uh, be even more interesting. Well, you know, it was, um, uh, it was quite striking that in uh, Dr. Sheckman's speech that he acknowledges federal funding as being crucial 
to these types of discoveries and that uh, the current state of funding by the federal government is really quite unfortunate if U.S. is to maintain this lead in science and technology. That's right, and and you and the U.S. has always been a, a bastion for uh, science and technology funding uh, across the world, and there's a reason why we get top talent Indeed. for the uh, and we need to do that, if not just for the U.S., but for the world. Yes, and uh, if anyone's listening in Washington, I hope uh, <laughs> they can resolve this uh, shutdown soon and uh, get the labs back online. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and another interesting point was that uh, the very last part of uh, Dr. Sheckman's uh, speech was that uh, he said he'll continue to use his influence to uh, carry out support for public education and public university funding uh, and he insisted uh, he he was very strongly supportive of uh, public uh, su- uh, university support uh, on top of private universities that are going to good job because the access that that provides across the board uh, underlines the meritocracy that we value so much in our country. the man on the street joins us again to talk about the science of Oakland. Uh, Vikram, it's a pleasure to have you back on the show. I'm very happy to be here. I mean, it's been a couple years, but you're still uh, pal driving and doing great stuff for uh, the Bay Area, right? Yes, uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a civil engineer. Uh, I'm not doing so much pile driving these days. We, are, we continue to do a lot of interesting work. Uh, some of the work that we are doing right now, we are doing some some uh, actually consulting work uh, for nuclear plants uh, in the East Coast, uh, actually in, on the Canadian East Coast, and also in Middle America for, for a lot of dams in Kentucky and Tennessee. This is all driven actually by the Nuclear Regulatory Commission mm-hmm. because of, uh, of course, partly the 2004 tsunami that caused heavy flooding and of course as everyone knows the fukushima disaster oh okay uh, both those earthquakes as well as the tsunamis following have have led to, to the nuclear commission re-evaluating the design conditions for nuclear plants across the country uh, i see so with regard to this uh danger of the tsunami uh, are you working on you know creating a criteria for better siting or are you evaluating the the current situation of existing nuclear plants? A uh, lot of the work is more driven right now towards existing plants. Uh, as we know, nuclear power has its critics and it has its supporters. At the same time, uh, there is also re-evaluation because in the past, tsunami hazard was evaluated as part of the plants. So this is all for existing plants. But these tsunamis uh, were were evaluated more generically, mm-hmm. and uh, there were uh, detailed analyses done. Ground shaking, other phenomena like landslides, uh, storms get a lot more attention, but tsunamis were generally considered uh, in a more simplistic analysis. They were they were considered, but they were considered in a much more simplistic analysis. We are cons- uh, in the East Coast work. For plants, we are doing what they call probabilistic tsunami hazard analysis, uh-huh. which is a probabilistic framework that looks at tens to hundreds of scenarios and combines it in a probabilistic framework to come up with 
a more rational decision making process certainly uh, so it is, it is a much more uh, it is a much more uh, rationally robust mechanism to to look at things but it is it, that does not mean that the plants did not consider tsunamis before i want to say that for sure it's more that it's been looked at much more closely now okay well i mean that's certainly um very important work and uh uh as you know um, I, I work primarily in japan these days and mm-hmm. uh recently they turned off uh all nuclear power plants uh, okay um but the the plan is that some of them will come on because uh you know, power is very expensive, and nuclear power is relatively cheap compared to, say, renewable energies, which you're trying to also implement at this moment. So as you mentioned, uh, there are going to be uh, a vocal number of people who will be against nuclear power due to these types of incidents. But um, I think one thing we, we should be aware of is that, especially with Fukushima, it was not the nuclear power itself that was the source of the problem. It was more that they did not have regulations in place. Uh, for example, mm. with the meltdown, um, the cooling system uh, had failed, and that was because right. they did not have backup power. And this is something right. that, for example, in Europe, they're very, very strict about. So it's uh, partly you know, due to incompetence, but if you want to you know, speak about this rationally, I mean, of course, it's a very emotional issue. Um, I, I think it's very important that we step back and look at all the facts before we dismiss or, uh, inst- you know, or be completely confident in nuclear power. And I think certainly, you know, in the long term, we should uh, move away from that. But, you know, given some of the other issues, uh, climate change, it's, it's worth considering this technology for at least the near future. Right. And, and nuclear power, the fantastic part of nuclear power, of course, is once the whole plant is online, 24-7, it generates power. Right. And it's incredibly cheap energy if everything is... Ma- the only problem is the management. And if political will is there, even the management of waste can be done much more efficiently. The The other thing with it is that it's such a politicized issue that even the studies that we do, Right. They they tell us, you know, that we cannot be biased in our studies. We cannot be doing anything because we are going to stamp our studies. And, you know, there is, right. there is uh, professional uh, uh, requirements for that. But they tell us to write our reports like lawyers because mm-hmm. they will be looked at. And they basically, and I don't want to say that it's just a political will, but it's a really easily exploitable issue because yes. it, it is so emotional that is easily able to tug at people's hearts. Sure. And uh, people need to understand that a nuclear plant and a nuclear bomb are two extremely separate things. And the other thing is there are new technologies out there, like the all these thorium and, right. and advanced thorium technologies, which I frankly don't understand. I shouldn't be. I just do the civil engineering part of it. But they do have great uh, promise. They can be designed that there are auto shutdowns and there is no possibility of a meltdown for those plants. Mm -hmm. So in the future, better design and using newer technology plants can be, it can be actually valuable and will actually render nuclear power harmless from the nuclear radiation. The irony of all this is that the reason we use a lot of the uranium and plutonium plants is because a lot of our weapons programs in the past used all that and our military, to, you know, generally to say that, would wanted nuclear 
plants as a backup for enriched material and drove those designs rather than using these designs. So there is, you know, I mean, there are criticisms that are valid out there, but they have solutions. Great. You know, I understand you're working on a number of other projects. What about this uh, high-speed rail that, you know, they've been talking about for uh, between San Francisco and Los Angeles? Is that finally taking off? And are there studies that are being done? Uh, so the high-speed rail is another political issue in California. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, high-speed rail is, everyone loves to hate it. The, currently, the status is that they are doing studies in the Central Valley section. Unfortunately, that's also caused people to say, oh, it's a train to nowhere. Uh, and it is not. It will eventually go between San Francisco and Los Angeles for sure, I think. It's the other aspects of it, maybe Sacramento, San Diego. I'm not so sure, but... San Francisco to Los Angeles, I think, is reasonably uh, economically viable solution. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that's just me. I'm sure there are other opinions out there. In in terms of the technical aspects, what makes California's landscape different or peculiar for building a high-speed rail? Nothing particularly different. I mean, high-speed rail requires some additional requirements uh, requirements for your tracks. In some cases, you need embankments, you know, strengthening of bridges, widening. But I mean, they are they are running tracks around existing tracks so that the clearly, you know, they want to re- sure. control costs. And and the, the, I, but that's th- those are relatively minimal problems. The the big issue is political will and mm-hmm. uh, nimbyism, where people don't want the high speed rail to go through their backyards. Pre- pretty much that, and uh, there there is going to be a lot of issues when it goes through the peninsula up sure. here and runs through metropolitan Los Angeles. Uh, so will it be underground mostly or above ground? No, currently at least in the San Francisco peninsula, it's it's not finalized in any way, but the original plan anyways when I had seen it a few years ago was to run it along the Caltrain tracks. I see. Changing the Caltrain tracks, they're, they, they will take it away from the ground and all those kind of things, but similar right of ways. Mm-hmm. But clearly that is not that means higher noise and a high-speed rail going past instead of a cal train is going to make more noise. Uh, and uh, there are a lot of rich people in Palo Alto. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell me, what, what is going on in Oakland that's really fascinating these days? Oakland, apparently the most fascinating thing about Oakland is that the New York Times thinks we are one of the hottest cities in America. And San Francisco loves to laugh about it. So <laughs> that's really uh, what's going on. But no, the Oakland uptown scene is very happening. Uh, apparently, Jerry Brown did uh, convince people to bring businesses back to Oakland. And uh, it's thriving. There's a new art scene, music scene that's doing very well. And I myself see, am surprised. And I see iPhone ads everywhere. And there's iPhone ads everywhere. Which, but... which color are you going to get? pink <laughs> well i will get the pink color if you like me to but i think yellow is totally awesome <laughs> what about you frank do you really like the pink iphone you know i would get it for the camera so i mean aim for the the 5s but for the 5s yeah what about the 6 the 6 is coming out pretty soon isn't it 6 no? uh, well the 5s just came out so i presume it's another year before it's the another next year. okay version major version comes out yeah you know, uh, Steve Jobs is still alive in spirit, even if he's <laughs> not with us. So I'm sure he has still surprises for the iPhone 6 that he has left in his will. Yeah, what, what else is fascinating these days, uh, you know, with your work or with your life? 
Well, what else is fascinating? We have uh, we have been uh, working on a meditation group at work, and it's called Mindful Stress Reduction, uh, and it's actually based out of University of Massachusetts. Uh, it's it's basically a, a meditation based program. It's a stress reduction program. It is, and it is not non-denominational. So it is not associated. Okay, so it's like Oprah Winfrey or Deepak Chopra. It, it's it's kind of like that, I guess. But there is no... We just exercises and we just start off. Uh, our teacher is one of our engineers, actually. And he basically talks about the technique. And we just do the exercises. Begin the, the basic, basic breathing exercises. And it is very interesting because the benefits are almost immediate. And uh, I have had two sessions and it's already, it's not just stress relief. You actually are happy. Uh, you happy? Actually, you actually have... Like, uh, you feel like elated or joyous? You actually, yes, you feel elated and joyous and you feel, I, I don't know how to explain it, but it's all about, it's not stress relief by forgetting about stress. It's being like that, more mindful or more yeah, but aware of what's going on. By being aware of what's going on and by staying in the moment, it sounds cliche, but actually when you do it, you simply have joy for no reason. It almost sounds ridiculous, but <laughs> it's not that just your stress is gone. It's just you, you're, you're so relaxed that you don't even know why you're stressed in the first place. Uh, I would definitely, not to use this as a pulpit, but... Everyone should just give it a try once in their life. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> okay, completely yeah. uh, unbiased, of course. Oh, this is quite fascinating, but do, do you feel more productive? Do you feel more like working after this, these sessions? It, 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 is, it does increase your concentration, and there. Are, this is just the second session. There is several levels to it, and I'm sure there is. everyone has heard so many stories about incredible things that people can achieve and all those things. All I'm going to say is, it's yes, productivity increases. You know, your your mind is free. You can notice more things, but they're all side effects. The fundamental part is you are just so happy that that itself. You're just happy in the sense that you're willing to take in the world that all these other things just happen. Mm. Uh, that's not really... Things are not really in your control and that you shouldn't try to... It, yeah, I mean, you're not really going in there saying, okay, now I'm going to focus. It's just that you are, you, you re you're in a state where you just do what you would usually do mm -hmm. and it just happens better. It just happens better and you're not even trying. And, and this is apparently from the stories I've heard, there's no bearing on, you know, how you were at a certain sport, how you were in school, where your background was. It's its just, if you're in the human form, this works. So give it a try. So yes. this is something that your company's trying to promote throughout? Uh, they're, they're promoting it as part of wellness programs. And mm. uh, this uh, co-worker of mine, uh, he's actually a much experienced person, but he, he just does it. He's been doing it for years. Uh, again, that sounds like a cliche too, but, you know, he's a Berkeley High graduate. <laughs> it's common in Berkeley, I guess. Uh, however, uh, he's been doing it for a while, and yes, he, he volunteered to do it for us, and I'm very thankful that he's doing it. Well, I, I you know, actually, uh, I think there was a New York Times article um, a month or two ago talking about how a lot of these high-tech firms look Silicon Valley, including, say, Google and Facebook, actually have mm -hmm. meditation programs where uh, you, you get an instructor or a teacher to have groups of people in sessions to yeah. meditate or, you know, perform yes. exercises. Right. Uh, and it seems it's, you know, not, not just for the well-being of the individual, but 
to the company since happy people tend to be more productive. more productive and, and it, they, they just don't even have to try they just are and and if, if they can be then the company benefits greatly because they just naturally become good workers right right and and, and there's so many different you know ways to do this and clearly I, I mean you know I've I've never actually done it and it's just the results come to you so quickly that it's worth a try how would you frank I know you had tried some things before what is your experience? Uh, well, so I live very close to Kamakura, and it's famous for having many temples. So I've been to one uh, Zazen session. It's You go to a Zen temple, and it is, of course, similar to what you mentioned, to be uh, more you know, self-aware. Uh-huh. And you, um, uh, there's a priest that comes uh, while you're meditating, and he strikes you on the back with a special plank. Uh, it's not painful, but it's very loud. You know, one of the ideas is that you you know, become more aware of what's around you. I see, I see. Yeah, yeah. So, it's like a, it's a symbolism. Uh, partly, yeah, but it's yeah. also a real physical reaction. Oh, is that right? Okay. Um, so, you know, I, I've only gone once, but I, I think it was a very um, relaxing session, and, you know, I would go again if I had... Okay. Well, of course, you know, as I say, you should make time for these things. Of course, yeah. I, I, and they're saying just from what I've read so far, it's like, 10 minutes. Uh, it's it's mm. not extremely time-consuming. Clearly, if you go someplace, it right. takes more longer, but nowadays, because of the web, there's tapes, there's all kinds of things. So, so if, if people are interested, are, are there any good YouTube clips of this technique that you talk uh, about? Yes, people should just Google MSBR. MSBR? MSBR, I think it's, uh, I can't remember the uh, acronym. Is this, this is a University of Massachusetts hospital groups program originally. It's okay. non-denominational and the person who started it in 1979, his name is John Kabat Zinn, Z-I-N-N, I think. Mm. And it's, it's very popular, I think. Uh, if we Google, uh, I haven't Googled him myself, but if you Google him, you should find it. And he has a book on Amazon or something like that. But it's, it's, uh, it's mindfulness and stress reduction are at least some of those variables in there. But MSBR... Right. Uh, and John Kabat-Zinn. John Kabat-Zinn. Okay, great. Check it out then. You know, I just want to say thank you for hosting me these last couple of days. And, uh, we, you know, we had an opportunity to watch a very interesting uh, science movie, actually. That's right. We saw Gravity in 3D. Yeah, and it didn't yeah. suck. <laughs> like the real thing. Yes. <laughs> it actually didn't suck. It was an exceptional movie. We watched it with 3D glasses. Indeed. And uh, it was some fancy, fancy action. Irrespective of you think George Clooney is hot or not, <laughs> Sandra Bullock is hot, hands down. So it, just for that, you should watch it. But either way, the action was incredible. The shots from space are worth twice your money. It looked very realistic. I'm, I'm sure they had a lot of science advisors to make sure it was factually correct. That's right. And and some of those, just to watch the Earth move from space itself, is just enjoyable. It's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. I have a friend who, who calls these things oppressively beautiful. Oppressively beautiful, <laughs> yes. So uh, have you seen any good uh, science or science fiction movies uh, besides that? Uh, I watched uh, Vin Diesel. In Riddick, which is apparently part three or part four of the Chronicles of Riddick. It's a typical Vin Diesel movie, but I mean, it's not 3D, but it was, you know, you need to be in the action movie mode. Right. Uh, Don't go in expecting deep philosophy. (laughs) (laughs) 
But once you get into, you know, hardcore action movie mode, a lot of fun. Good two hours of fun. Well, I guess we are running a little bit uh, out of time today. Um, uh, you know, are, are there last words you'd like to add about yourself or uh, Oakland, Vikram? Well, Oakland is a great place to be. Berkeley is also awesome. Uh, if you guys are out about in this area, you should come out and check out Oakland, walk around the lake. And, uh, oh, Pandora, the amazing, uh, you know, internet radio uh, site is now in Oakland. And so, you know, we do have our internet claim to fame, uh, whatever, internet, what do you say? Uh, internet, internet famous? Yeah, I guess yeah, we are e-famous now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Vikram, thank you so much for joining us here on the Karak Science Show. And thank you for having me. I always enjoy myself when I'm here. And we were just talking to the man from the street, Vikram Kukarni, from Oakland, California. And that's all for this week's edition of the Rock Science Show. Make sure you tune in again next week for more from the world of science, technology, and a way it affects our daily lives. You can check us out on the web at www.rocks.net, uh, on Facebook and Twitter. And to email us, we're at science at rocks.net. For Rock Science, I'm Frank Ling. Make sure you stay here for more music. Unsigned, yeah, but destined to grow some shine Silver sign, cast piled on the desk